Well, hey there, my name is Eric Gray, and I'm the Young Adult and Family Minister here at the Regency Church of Christ. I just want to take a minute and say thank you for checking out this message. If you're ever in the Mobile area, we'd love for you to join us on Sundays at 10 a.m. And to find out more information about Regency or to listen to other messages from this series, we'd love for you to check out our website at regencycc.org. And we're praying that this message will help you grow closer to Jesus. So uh, I know it's been a couple weeks since the new year happened. Uh, I don't know what your break was like. Um, For us, uh, I want to tell a quick story, something that happened over our Christmas break. On Christmas Eve, my wife's family all came over. So her uh, brothers and sister and her mother and then there's a bunch of kids there. And so we put all the kids to do stuff in the garage and the adults were out hanging out. It sounds bad, but like there's stuff for them to do in the garage. They were eating out there and the adults were in kind of the dining area eating and hanging out. And at one point the adults are playing a game with each other and the kids are in the garage. And we had forgotten that we had left something in the garage and it was this jar from Halloween and it had maybe the worst invention ever created. It's this thing called slime. And so there's this slime in this jar that we had just not even thought about since Halloween. And all of a sudden we hear some of the kids call out from the garage, Houston has put slime in his hair. And so we're like, oh my goodness. And so we come around and this is the damage that we find. This slime is like not regular slime. It's like been sitting old slime. And so it is in his hair. It's unclear how it got there exactly, but it's all up in his hair. And we are trying to get it out and we, we cannot. And at one point I'm like, we are going to have, he is going to be bald. We're going to have to shave his head, <laughs> cut this out. We're Googling things like how do we take slime out of hair? Uh, and one of the things that we find and try is mayonnaise. And so I'm lathering my hands up. I hate mayonnaise too. It was the most disgusting thing ever. I'm like, got all this mayonnaise, put it in his hair and we comb it out. It takes a long time, but we get it out of his hair. And so afterwards we're like, Houston, we do not put slime in our hair. Okay. We do not put slime in our hair over and over. And like we re asking different times. Okay. What do we learn at Christmas? Don't put slime in your hair. And so that was his takeaway from the Christmas break. At one point he's out with me. And someone says to him something about Christmas, and they were asking, what did you get for Christmas? But that's not what he heard. And so he just says, don't put slime in your hair. And so everything was, don't put slime in your hair. That was his lesson over the break. And I guess it's good to have lessons like that. Our lesson is don't leave slime with your unsupervised children in the garage, I guess. And so I don't know what lessons you learned over the break Maybe there were some lessons you learned from this past year. What I like about New Year's, coming into this this New Year time, is it is a time for reflection and new beginnings. There is purpose, there's benefit in looking backwards. There's purpose and benefit in reflecting and remembering. And that's what we did last week. Eric spent some time talking about some of the things that happened in 2019. It was really neat to see the, the pictures and to remember things that had taken place over the course of the year, things like I'd forgotten that had happened last year. It's important to remember these things. It's encouraging to, to be reminded of things that took place in the past year and to reflect on those things. It's necessary, especially as we begin to look forward towards what's next and towards the future. And so even here at Regency, as we've been thinking about the past year, 
I'd like to spend a couple minutes thinking about what's next at Regency. A couple months ago, some of the, the elders and the ministers, we met together and we talked about some of these things that are coming up next. And there is a hope to put more of an emphasis on uh, the guest experience and when people come for the first time, that experience that they have when they come here. And so some of the things that you'll see happening over the course of the year, one of the things happening very soon is we're going to have some signage outside uh, around the building. Um, for us, if you've been here for a long time, you know immediately where to go when you get here. But if you're a guest, if you're visiting, it might be unclear where to go. And so we've got some outdoor signage that's going to be put up. Um, one of the things that we're going to be doing is uh, there's going to be some renovations in the lobby, which uh, some of us are probably excited about and looking forward to. And all of that hopefully will be connected to the guest experience. When people come in for the very first time, are they feeling welcome? Do they know where to go? Do they know where things are? And one of the other things that we're going to be starting in 2020, and actually we're going to be having uh, starting in February, is a new class called the Next Steps class. And what this class will be is it will be a class for um, people that are new here, or new Christians, and it will be a class that meets one time a month, and you only take it once, but it's to let you know more about the church, more about what we believe here at Regency, how you can get involved. Um, and so the hope is that someone who is looking to know more about the church at Regency, but also looking to just find a place and an opportunity to work and serve with the congregation here, this is a class that will have them attend. And so I'm excited about that. That'll start at uh, the 1st uh, of February. And so we're looking forward to some of these things that are coming up next. It's exciting to have things um, and to hear about the things that have happened and are happening at Regency. But that phrase, what's next? Sometimes that phrase is kind of annoying. Um, if your children, like if you just did something super fun with your kids, like you take them to Disney World or maybe something even smaller, like you just go out to eat or you take them to the movie and then immediately it's like, well, what's, what are we doing now? What's next? What's happening? You're like, what do you mean what's next? I just took you to do this awesome thing. Why are you already focused on the next thing? And it's frustrating sometimes that way. But really the idea of what's next shouldn't be something that is just uh, we are unsatisfied with what we just had, but it's really this idea of excitement of what's to come. And so this morning, as we think about our theme for 2020 and what's next, what I'd like for you to think about is what's next for you. What's next for you in the coming year? With the new year, uh, this time of the year, there is this hope that we have within ourselves, this hope that I can make some changes. Now, we can decide to make a change any time of the year, right? But there's something about the new year. There's something about January 1st that is maybe more motivating. It feels like a fresh start, right? And so people, and you are maybe one of these people, or you know somebody like this, has decided to make some sort of change for the new year. Maybe it's to eat better or to exercise or to read the Bible um, on a more consistent basis. Maybe it's to be better with money. Maybe it's to quit something or to start something, or to spend more time with family. Maybe you see someone in your life and you know someone who inspires you and you look at the way that they're living and you think to yourself, I want to be like that person. How do I get that life? And what it's going to take is not some big change to make that happen, but maybe it takes some small step, some small change to get to that point. The thing is, oftentimes, it's doing the, the small things that no one sees that results in the big things that everybody wants. 
And so to get to where you want to go next, to get where we want to go next, sometimes it really just takes a small step. In the book of Zechariah, chapter 4, we see that the temple has been destroyed. God's people have been led into captivity. And in about 537 B.C., Zerubbabel has led the remnants of God's people, this, this group of God's people, back from captivity to the land of Israel. And some time goes by, about 18 years later, God speaks to the king. God speaks to Zerubbabel. And part of his speaking to Zerubbabel is to get him to rebuild. And he wants to empower him to do this. And so if you would look with me in Zechariah chapter 4, starting in verse 6, it says this. Then he said to me, this is what the Lord says to Zerubbabel. It's a really fun name to say. It is not by force nor by strength, but by my spirit, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Nothing, not even a mighty mountain, will stand in Zerubbabel's way. It will become a level plain before him. And when Zerubbabel sets the final stone of the temple in place, the people will shout, may God bless it. May God bless it. Verse 8. Then another message came to me from the Lord. Zerubbabel is the one who laid the foundation of this temple and he will complete it. Then you will know that the Lord of heaven's armies has sent me. And then I love verse 10. It says, Do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. And I love the first part of verse 10. It says, Do not despise, don't despise the small beginnings. See, God recognized, listen, it's going to feel overwhelming. It's going to feel like you can't accomplish this. And on your own, you wouldn't be capable of accomplishing it. And so that's why he reminds them, it is by my spirit that this can happen. And so he says, listen, this task that you've got before you, don't despise the small steps that it takes to get there. Because when you've completed it, people will rejoice. But that's the way it works sometimes with us, right? When we've got this big task ahead of us, We don't like the small steps that it takes to get there. We'd rather just get there to what's next than to take the small steps that it takes to lead up to it. And in fact, what happens uh, in this situation here in Zechariah chapter 4 is the people come as this project's starting, and it's not very impressive. And they actually come and they weep. And there's some some scholars that believe that the reason that they're weeping is because they just feel like this task is impossible and it will not be accomplished. They can't see that it's going to be done because the steps taken to get there are too small. Eventually, the hope is that the finished work, when that final stone is put in place, that is when they will rejoice. But we should also recognize that the small steps that it takes to get there, that's part of the process. If we look at other people throughout scripture, you look at someone like King David. King David was able to do this amazing task of defeating a a Goliath, a giant. And he recognized that part of what got him there was the small steps of when he was tending sheep in the field. He recognized it was defeating the lion and defeating the bear. Those small steps got him to a place where he knew that God could accomplish this within his life. Someone like Daniel, known for having this incredible, great faith. Well, how did he have such great faith? He prayed multiple times a day. It wasn't like he just woke up one morning and had this amazing faith that led him to doing something that he was willing to be thrown into a lion's den for. 
Every day he spent time with God, taking these small steps that got him to where he needed to be. Uh, There's a famous basketball coach, uh, John Wooden, who is famous for doing something with his players where the first practice when they came in, he would have them not pick up a basketball. They would sit down and he'd have them put on their socks together. It was kind of strange and unusual. And when asked about this, he has this line where he says, he said, it's the little things that are vital. Little things make big things happen. And so he wanted them to focus on these small beginning details to get them to these big places that they wanted to go. We see this throughout scripture where small steps make big differences. Jesus says to Martha, when she's not focusing on what she needs to be focusing on, he says to her, only one thing is needed. Paul says, one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, I press on. David writes in one of his Psalms, he says, one thing I desire, to dwell in the house of the Lord. The rich young ruler is told by Jesus, one thing you lack, sell all that you have and give it to the poor. These one things, these small steps are the beginning to getting to the place that we want to be. For us, we need to not put off tomorrow what needs to happen today. These are called excuses. And maybe this is a lesson you've learned from last year. Maybe you started this year off and it's the same things that you said to yourself last year that you were going to do. And it's frustrating. Maybe you made excuses that prevented you from doing the things that needed to be done. In his book, Don't Miss Your Life, the author Joe Robinson makes a case that one of life's most uh, troubling emotions is regret. But it may also be a very beneficial emotion that we have. And he says, regret prods us to step out and take action. Researchers have found that the biggest regrets come not from what you do, but from what you didn't do. He says it's the course untaken. And he calls this the inaction effect. And so the idea here is this inaction effect, this idea of not doing something, produces more regret than actions that don't work out. Other research that he has shows that there's more intensity to the regret that comes from lost opportunities and that that emotion stays with you longer. He says, since we seem to be wired to not leave possibilities on the table, why then do so many of us fall prey to the inaction effect? He explains that it's because we're wired with other tendencies too. We have fear and procrastination and we're cynical and there's prior disappointments. And so that keeps us from acting in times where we should have taken action. These negative effects work hard to hold us back from experiencing life to the fullest. And so his conclusion at the end of the book is really a conclusion that we can find in Scripture as well. And it's this, life is short. And he concludes that regrets are forever. And so don't regret taking inaction. Take the small steps that need to be taken. So, What do you need to stop putting off? What small steps need to be taken today? What's next in your life starts with doing what needs to be done now. Taking one step forward in obedience, I think, is worth more than studying about it for one year. We need to take the small steps to get us to where we're wanting to go. Another passage I want to look at this morning is from the book of Isaiah 
The book of Isaiah speaks a lot about the coming Messiah. And in chapters 42 and 43, it speaks specifically to the promised deliver, to the promised deliverance of the Jewish people from their captivity in Babylon. And so in Isaiah chapter 42, verse 9 through 10, it says, See, the former things have taken place, and new things I declare. Before they spring into being, I announce them to you. Sing to the Lord a new song, his praise from the ends of the earth. You who go down to the sea and all that is in it, you islands and all who live in them. There's another translation that says, behold, I do a new thing. And I I like the way that translation phrase it. Behold, it's this declaration word spoken by God to his people in Isaiah chapter 43. God's calling his people out from the old and he's calling them into the new. He's calling things that were not yet as though they had already happened. And as far as God concerned, it's already a done deal. Behold, behold, it actually means to stand in awe and to be amazed. Why would God, why would God say this? His announcement was a statement of his character. God recognizes that he is going to redeem something in our lives. He is going to make something happen. In fact, just a little later, God's also announcing hope for humanity through Jesus Christ and the grace of the gospel. God's saying to his people, behold, I am doing a new thing. He is calling us to come up and to come out of the ordinary and to rise above the things that we think limit us. Over in Isaiah 43, verse 15, it says, I am the Lord, your holy one, Israel's creator, your king. This is what the Lord says, he who made a way through the sea a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and reinforcements together, and they lay there never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. And then verse 18, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. Verse 19, see, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up to you. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. If you look back at verse 15, it says, I am the Lord, your Holy One, the Creator of Israel, your King. Before he makes his promise, God is declaring his ultimate title. He says, I am. And then he immediately follows it up with four other things that describe who he is. He's Lord, the Holy One, the Creator, the King. God is your Lord. He is your Holy One. He is your Creator. He is your King. He is able And so what do you believe about God for in this year? Are we willing to make this statement? Do we recognize that he is the Holy One, our creator and our king? When we recognize that, that would have to influence the way that we live each day. And then verse 16, this is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters. God is reminding us, he's reminding them that he makes a way. God makes a path through the impassable. Why is he reminding us? God is stating his qualifications to handle the dreams and desires of your heart. God wants to reassure you that you can trust him. And so the question is, do you believe it? And then in verse 18, it says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. Another translation says, do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Don't remember the disappointments. Don't remember the regrets of the past. I was reading an article the other day. It talks about sentiment versus significance. In the article, it says, it's far too easy to allow sentiment to erode 
your significance. Significance is about the future and all that's ahead, but sentiment is about the former things. The idea there was that oftentimes our sentiment and our reflecting on the past can sometimes prevent us from recognizing the significance of our future. When God makes a declaration, there is often a challenge connected with it. And the challenge usually boils down to this. Will you believe it? Will you believe it? In this passage from Isaiah chapter 43, God's challenge to Israel and to us today is, can you believe that God will do this for you? Do we believe that God is going to work in what's next in our life? And then as we finish up, go back to Isaiah 43, verse 18 and 19. Isaiah here is telling the people to remember not the former things, for the Lord is doing a new thing. What's the former thing that he's talking about? Well, the former thing was in reference to the Exodus. It was God freeing the people of God from their slavery in Egypt. Why would he tell them to forget that? Why would he tell them to remember not the former things? Well, he's not saying that those things aren't important. It isn't meant that the Exodus should actually be forgotten. But what he's saying is that it shouldn't be the supreme example, the supreme instance of God's redeeming power in your life. For us, for followers of Jesus, as incredible and amazing as our salvation is, which is our personal exodus from sin, that is not the end for God's redeeming power in our life. We shouldn't view our salvation as the only example of God's working in our lives. It's the beginning. And so this idea of, for, of remembering not the former things, for the Lord is doing a new thing. For you today, that might be a recognition that yes, God has given you salvation. He's given you forgiveness of sins, but that is not where it stops. He is still to this day continuing to do new work and new things in your life. There are still more examples. There are still more instances of God's power ahead. We just have to keep our eyes open for what those things are. Over the break, our, our family, one of the fun things that we do is for like 20 years now on New Year's Day, um, my side of the family gets together and we do fondue all day on on New Year's Day. If, if you don't know what fondue is, you basically have like a pot of something really hot and you have these little skewers and you stick food on them and you dip them in the fondue. It's, it's incredible. So we do three courses. We do like a cheese fondue and we dip stuff in the cheese and then we take a break and then we do our meats and our vegetables and we take another break and then we do chocolate fondue, which is of course the best fondue. And so at one point Ethan is like, are we having chocolate for dinner? I was like, yes, yes we are. That's what we're doing tonight. And at one point we're eating and dipping all kinds of stuff in this chocolate and I'm sitting across from my brother and we were kind of laughing about how most people on the first day of the new year, it's like, okay, I'm going to start eating right now. Today I'm going to start eating right. And here we are just eating all of this crazy unhealthy stuff for us. And so he said, I'm choosing to let future me worry about this decision. Like, I'm not going to worry about that right now. I'm going to let the future version of myself worry about that problem. And we kind of laughed about that. And I was thinking about what he said. How often do we make decisions with the thought process of, I'm going to let future Andrew, I'm going to let future me worry about what I'm doing right now. 
you know, I'm not going to make that decision right now because it's super inconvenient, but future me, they'll take care of that, right? They'll make the decision to make a change, even though I'm not making that decision right now. We can see the problem with that, right? Don't put off until tomorrow what needs to be done today. And as we're told in Zechariah, don't despise small beginnings. Recognize that they are essential elements. They're essential parts of a great work that is happening within your life. Recognize that God's power, what's next in your life, does not end with your salvation. It is not like, okay, you've been saved, and that's the end of God's redeeming power in your life. Really, it's you having that beginning. And from there, it's keeping our eyes open for how God is going to continue to work in your life. So what's what's next for you? What's next for you? Maybe it's a new life. Maybe it's forgiveness. Maybe it's some new beginning. Perhaps it's you recognizing and using and utilizing the encouragement and the prayers that can be found within a church body like this. Don't put off today. Don't put off until tomorrow what needs to happen today. Don't let future you deal with the problem that you need to deal with right now. If you're here this morning and you need to respond to the invitation, maybe there's something that you need to ask for forgiveness for, maybe you need to decide to follow Christ for the very first time, maybe you need the prayers and encouragement of the body of Christ here, don't put that off until another day. Make the decision to do that now. As together we stand and sing.